Let's bow our heads together as we look into the Word of God this morning, the message that He's given to me to share in this Sunday morning service. Our Father in heaven, thank you for all of your blessings to us this last week. We've been reminded repeatedly of those blessings and we're thankful. We get together as families and we spend some time around the table, the bounty of the table. We express thanks for so many things. Thank you specifically this morning for the privilege that we have of being in your house with your people and that you are here in our midst, not just simply something that we feel is a promise that you would be here, but we know that you're here. We've sensed your presence. And now as we look into your word and the subject and matter that you've laid on my heart this morning, I pray that you would open up each of our hearts, our ears, that we would be able to hear and receive, that we would even be intentional about that receiving this morning. I pray for your special anointing for the preaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanksgiving's a busy week, but the week is over. Our lives quickly, quickly change to the crazy world of Black Friday. Some of you are out there in that uh, chaos. I don't envy you at all. If you were there, more power to you. We're getting into the Christmas spirit now, whatever that means. The Christmas spirit. Is it the lights or the trees or the gifts? Is it the food? Is it more gifts? Family time. Maybe it's the ribbons and paper and bows that you think of as the spirit of Christmas. Maybe it's the mistletoe, the evergreens, the poinsettias, more food, the sparkling eyes of the children, visions of sugar plums dancing in their heads. What is the Christmas spirit? Maybe it's the stories of angels, mangers, sheep, and shepherds. Maybe you think about the story about the Magi or Mary and Joseph. Maybe it's the great star that brings you into the Christmas spirit. We'll sing songs like this. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. We'll sing, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Grandma got that was not supposed to be in here. Who did that? Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And I hope that we sing it again. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We can sing that one in July, at least the first verse. 
Surely we can sing that in August. But what is it about his coming that gives such joy? If we can really sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. What is it about his coming that brings us such joy? Is it the story of this precious baby? Surely that's it. I have yet to see a baby that doesn't bring joy to somebody's life. You don't even have to be related to feel the joy from that newborn. Maybe it's the preciousness of this baby that has brought joy to the world. Bright-eyed, cooing, drooling, cuddling. Maybe it's the glorious picture of the angels giving the announcement to the shepherds that brings joy to the world. Perhaps you're thinking right now that the joy in his birth or the joy in this Christmas celebration is the reality of the Messiah's entrance into human existence. Is that what brings joy? But what does that mean? What does that mean, the Messiah making his entrance into human existence? What does that mean? Does it mean salvation? What does salvation mean? There's a song that uh, I kind of thought was, was more on the contemporary side since Vince Gill has been given a little bit of credit for it, but it was actually written by two other people, and I believe it was a copy, the copyright was in 1955. It was actually published in the United Methodist Hymnal in 1989. These are the words of that song. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God our Creator, children all are we. Let us walk with each other in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, may this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. How can there possibly be peace on earth? You know, the world's in a turmoil. Sometimes we would even stop and think that our country, our, our country is in turmoil. How can there possibly be peace on earth? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question. Let's turn to the scriptures and see what we can find as an answer. Let's see what we can find as an answer to two questions. What is the spirit of Christmas and how can there possibly be peace on earth? I think the answer is basically, essentially, the same for both of them. Let's begin with the words, the very words of the Messiah, as they are found in Luke's record in chapter number 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Then said Jesus, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The very words of Christ, recorded for us by Luke, and the context of those words reveals that he had just been, was still being treated very, very terribly, to say the least, horribly, cruel in its rawest form, brutal. I think you could say brutal. He was treated brutally. I think that you could say that Jesus, at the very point that he was saying these words, you could say that he was treated without, by people without a soul. How could they possibly do this to another human being if they had a soul? It's easy for us to think they, had, they were soulless people. Now, we know that they were not, but how could you get to that point as a human being to treat another human being as poorly and as brutally as they did Jesus. And yet in the very moment, in the very, in the very midst of the anguish of that experience, he says, somehow mustering up enough strength as he hung on the cross to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know. What do you mean they don't know? Those guys knew exactly what they were doing when they drove the nails through his hands and feet. Those people knew exactly what they were doing when they placed that crown of thorns on his head. Those people knew exactly what they were doing when they whipped him to an inch of his life, so to speak, so that his visage, his, his very appearance was marred and brutalized and bloody in shreds. And yet he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know the ultimate picture. They don't know what they're doing. He was in deep anguish and pain, both physically and emotionally. But he had no ill will toward any of those who brought about this horrendous situation. No ill will toward any one of them. None. Only forgiveness. Now it, asks, uh, it, it begs to ask a question this morning. I think in this particular moment as we think about it, how, how deep did his forgiveness go? I would say that it was deep enough that he didn't want them to be charged with this brutality. He did not want them to be charged with this torture. This damaging emotional trauma. He said, forgive them. But how deep did this forgiveness go? I would say that his, his uh, forgiveness for these people went deep enough that his followers understood his words because it's not too long after Jesus died and rose again and ascended to the Father that we come to the name of an individual in the book of the Acts of the Apostles by the name of Stephen. You've heard of Stephen, haven't you? If you haven't, then you can look it up and read it there in Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse number 50, 59 for us this morning. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Now, as he's saying that, he's being stoned. I don't know how big these stones were. I don't think that they were probably just gravel off the, off the parking lot. They were probably bigger stones. Maybe, maybe the smallest ones would have been golf ball size, but more than likely they were baseball size or softball size. Something that would really inflict some real damage to an individual when they're thrown at him and they're stoning him as he's crying out in this pain. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That almost sounds like the same words of Christ. A little bit different. He doesn't use the exact word, Father, forgive them. But he said, don't lay this to their charge. And if I could paraphrase the last portion of that verse following that statement, I would say it's something like this, that as he was saying, as he was speaking the words... Don't lay this to their charge. Somebody had a baseball-sized rock in their hand, and they were already in process of throwing it, and it caught him upside the head, and he went unconscious. That's kind of what it says. He, he fell asleep. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Even the followers of Jesus understood forgiveness in its very deepest sense. Jesus spoke on different occasions, it's recorded in the Gospels, with his disciples and followers, and he spoke of the importance of forgiveness. He spoke uh, about how often forgiveness should be given. He spoke of how many times you should forgive even for the same offense. mind-boggling when you read that but he didn't speak any more revealing or passionately or succinctly about forgiveness than what he did in matthew's record in chapter number 18 verse number 26 the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying lord have patience with me and i will pay thee all Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. And the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had had pity and, and compassion on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. In verse number 35, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Right there, 
Did you catch that? It's almost painful to say it, really. But ultimately, his forgiveness can be revoked or not given if we don't forgive. Now, someone might say, now, don't you judge me. In this instance, others don't have to be the judge. I don't have to judge. The Scripture is the standard for judgment. Now, someone might say, how can you possibly say that? Well, there's another good question from the audience this morning. How can I possibly say that the Scripture is the judgment, that I don't have to place judgment, and I won't place judgment? God's Word gives us the judgment in the way of what and, and who is forgiven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Matthew records the words again of Christ as he is teaching his disciples. He is instructing his disciples. They have asked him to give them instruction in a specific manner, in a specific need that they had. And so he begins to teach them. And we come down to verse number 12 in this In this teaching moment, Jesus teaches them, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, the English Standard Translation says it just a little bit differently, but it's still the same, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You see, what I'm talking about this morning, that this is the teaching of the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. He has come. He has has brought himself into human existence. The Messiah has come. And his message is forgiveness. History is full of stories about forgiveness. Full of stories about forgiveness from all facets of life. You can go and read stories from the concentration camps with all of their ugliness and all of their brutality upon other human people, human individuals, people that have had to experience the brutality of concentration camps. And yet we hear and read of stories repeatedly of forgiveness. Childhood memories filled with painful scars and sometimes even open wounds. And yet they forgive. The darkness of the memory of rape or molestings and and inappropriate behavior that has left brokenness and emotional bruises, even if there wasn't physical bruises, and yet somebody forgave. Courtrooms where justice didn't seem to prevail, but the vacant seat at the home still exists because of a murderer's bullet or a knife or a club or an impaired driver's vehicle. But they forgave. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now let's go back. Do you remember the two questions that I gave earlier? Number one, what is the spirit of Christmas? What is the spirit of Christmas? Can you think of what the spirit of Christmas could be? In light of this, in light of what we've already given, what is the spirit of Christmas? I think that ultimately it's forgiveness because he came to give you and to give me forgiveness. That's the purpose of his coming. So should it not be the reality of our lives that the spirit of Christmas, as we get into the spirit of Christmas, that forgiveness is a vital part of our thought processes and our celebrations even, that we forgive. Number two, the question was, how can there be peace on earth? How can there be peace by humanity, specifically specifically speaking, Christ followers, disciples, or Christians? How can they they, uh, give peace on earth or, or allow peace on earth? It's by giving and showing forgiveness to those who have likewise abused and mistreated and hurt us. The songwriter said the words to the song that I gave earlier, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And as I forgive, I receive forgiveness. Maybe it is forgiveness. That is the ultimate umbrella of the spirit of Christmas. The reality of us being forgiven. And God's desire and design for us to give that forgiveness to those that have offended and hurt us. To allow peace to be on earth. Are you forgiving? Somebody said, I'm having a hard time forgiving so-and-so because of what they have done. Well, if you're having a hard time forgiving, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. May God help us to forgive. Let's stand together. And in the words of Charles Dickens, in the voice of Tiny Tim... A Merry Christmas to us all. God bless us, everyone. May that be the reality of our lives. Blessed with his forgiveness. And then to bless others with forgiveness as well. May God help us. Praise God. Brother Skank, would you dismiss us in prayer?